The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. You can follow him on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. I'm at Clay W. Link. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, at New Day Music on Twitter. Thank you for the song Lion Kings we're using as our intro this season. Loving that jam. James, we're going to be focusing on your latest piece up on the site, NL Central, 96 prospects you need to know. 
uh, a ton to get through, so might as well just jump in right away. You start with the Cubs, and we've seen a lot of promotions in recent years. They have a great young core at the major league level. What's this farm system looking like? It's probably a borderline top 10 system. I think you can especially make that case just given the two guys they have at the top, probably as good of a one-two as you'll see in all baseball with Eloy Jimenez and Ian Happ. Uh, Eloy Jimenez, number six prospect, uh, according to our rankings, checks in at number one for them. He's 20 years old, probably going to head to high A this year. Uh, One of the best pure hitters in the minors, and a lot of people put, you know, future 70 grades on his power. So, you know, right now I think it's a a hit over power profile, but down the road it could actually, the, the power could catch up and you could be looking at a uh, 70 grade hitter with 70 grade power. And that's obviously very special. I mean, he's, he's got a ways to go still hasn't gotten to double a yet. So I understand if you want to downgrade him a little bit and, and play it safe, with someone who's a little bit closer, but if you, if all you really care about is, is upside and you're willing to uh, sacrifice speed, then, then Jimenez is, is one of the best prospects in the minors. Yeah, you say here that he's supposed to Giancarlo Stanton level exit velocities, and he had in the Fall League, I think, you know, most of the top 10 hard hit balls at the Fall League. Unlike Stanton, though, he doesn't quite have as many holes in his swing at, at this stage of his development, correct? Well, he can't really, I mean, yeah, just looking at his strikeout rate, it, he doesn't have any of the kind of issues Stanton has, but wait till he gets, let's wait till he gets to double A, triple A. Uh, you know, a lot of people, when they ask me questions about Jimenez, they like, they want to make it seem like this is kind of a sure, sure thing. And I have him ranked sixth. So you'd, you'd think it's, it's pretty safe and, it's just never really safe unless mm-hmm. unless a guy is just knocking on the door of the big leagues and and has kind of proven against triple a pitching at a young age that he that he doesn't really have holes in his swing like Jimenez could very easily struggle at double a like that I don't think too many people would be all that surprised by that so you you love the upside but still far from a finished product reminder rotowire.com slash pod for a free ten day trial. If you do not have a subscription to check out James's piece, go back in the archives, check out all of his work while you're on trial. Number two in the Cubs system, Ian Happ, 17th-ranked prospect overall on your top 400. Again, expanded recently to 400 overall prospects on the site, 20 by system. Happ's an interesting case. I know you know a lot of people want to jump on board, and he does have a very intriguing profile, but you, you make a comparison here. You know His, his ceiling is kind of peak Ben Zobris, and you know, knowing – the player Ben Zobrist is now, you know, fine, but not super sexy. But 2020 with a 270 average is a, a very useful option at second base in fantasy baseball. Yeah, that that comparison might sound like I'm underselling him a little bit. And, you know, Ben Zobrist probably never really got drafted where he should have gotten drafted. He was kind of that guy who people were constantly like in, in his sort of like four or five year prime. People were constantly sort of not fully buying into him being able to do it again so you weren't paying like third round prices for Ben Zobrist in his prime years but that's the kind of production you were getting you were getting uh you know a lot of years with double digit homers and steals he actually went five straight years with double digit homers and steals a couple years he flirted with 2020 
batting average typically up there around 270 and and that's that's a really valuable player especially if it qualifies at second base and especially if it if it's hitting in a lineup like this Cubs lineup the problem with Hap is like Jimenez is his bat special enough that they're they're gonna find room for him but Hap if you factor in defense is probably not ever gonna be seen as an upgrade over a guy like Javier Baez and you know obviously Ben Zobris is still around he's still under contract for a couple more years so Hap it would be really great if if he got traded at some point and obviously that hasn't happened this offseason doesn't seem like it's going to happen this offseason so kind of in a holding pattern there yeah he's a guy that you know before we went down to Arizona for first pitch Arizona took part in a baseball HQ rookie draft with a lot of names in the industry and I ended up taking Hap somewhat late uh, just because, as you mentioned here, skills, you know, in terms of skills, he's probably close to ready, maybe ready by this summer, but just nowhere to play. And yeah. hopefully he gets moved because I think, you know, if you're in, in something like that where you're drafting rookies or doing an NFBC slow draft, stashing him could ca- pay off big if there is a trade. Yeah, I I kind of see him as sort of being, in terms of how close he is to being ready, sort of where a guy like Wilson Contreras was, was this time last year. The difference being, obviously, that uh, Miguel Montero, obviously a lot easier to supplant in terms of playing time than uh, the guys ahead of Hap. But, I mean, he'll he'll definitely be up in September and, and kind of being utilized as a guy that could play multiple positions for them. I just don't, I don't see that opening for playing time anytime soon. Jimenez and Hap, the only two Cubs prospects in your overall top – 100, and then they have quite a few names in the 100 to 200 range, starting with right-handed pitcher Dylan Cease, 104 overall, third in the system, likely headed to low A South Bend. What does the repertoire of pitches look like with Cease? So he's got a absolutely monster fastball, uh, potentially 80-grade pitch. Command needs some work, but can touch triple digits. Has uh, also a potentially plus curveball, so that's a an off an awesome place to start. Obviously there are some durability concerns. The control is currently below average. So I think the, the smart money is probably on him ending up in the bullpen, which is why he's outside of the top 100, but you know, there's still maybe a 20, 25, 30% chance he makes it as a starter, in which case this could be a really special arm, especially if, if he makes those necessary control gains. But, uh, closer for the Cubs in 2018 2019 also doesn't seem out of out of line as kind of a a floor presuming he stays healthy and you know that's that's a nice that's a nice piece to have if you get the Cubs closer for like a four or five year run that's that's an awfully valuable piece yeah absolutely but my condolences to him on that likely assignment to South Bend (laughs) Uh, good luck finding something to do down there to keep you busy during your off time I hope he's an Xbox guy Number four, Mark Zagunis. Now, he doesn't really have the the power or speed, the standout tool that people drool over in fantasy, but the approach is, as you say here, one of the best in the minors. Yeah, he's he's even more uh, – like, he, he's, he's more big league ready than a guy like Ian Happ, but he just – even more so than Happ doesn't ever really figure to profile as a starter for the Cubs – so he kind of needs a trade or an injury. Uh, the hit tool is great. The approach is great. Like he could hit, he could hit second in like a second division lineup, like a 
rebuilding club that that has an opening for him in left field. That'd be, be the Reds like number two, number two player. Yeah, he's actually. Uh, I think I wrote his. Uh, I want to say I wrote his outlook maybe, but to me he is kind of like Jesse Winker without the name value. If you just kind of look at those two guys in terms of their their approach, their hit tool, where they sort of profile in the lineup, very similar to Winker. I think Winker's got more game uh, game power than than Zagunas is ever going to develop. But uh, if you just get a guy that's hitting second in a big league lineup and just kind of let the, the rest take care of itself, the, the counting stats are going to be there. This is a theme with this team because they are so stacked at the major league level, but Heimer Candelario, just nowhere to play with, with this team right now. No no clear path. You say here could be a top 23rd baseman fantasy if you received every day at bats. Again, with with a lot of these guys, there's just a lot of uncertainty, but is he worth holding on to in in most long-term keeper leagues? I, yeah, I think you just got to be patient. I think he's someone they'll look to deal. I mean, it's they they're in a really enviable spot though because they have these three guys. Like most teams would be so desperate that they would look at these three guys. They don't. They're close to big league ready, if not big league ready. There's nowhere for them to play. They would have moved them this off season and just cashed it in and gotten gotten a piece to help right away. The Cubs though can afford to be patient and. You know, maybe we see, maybe they take they they use a guy like Candelario or even a guy like Hap. Uh, they they're not satisfied with where their trade value is right now, so they'll take advantage of an opportunity in season if a guy gets hurt to kind of showcase what these guys can do against big league pitching, and then move them at the deadline once they think they've really maxed out their their value there, and, and maybe get a another Araldis Chapman type reliever. Uh, back for 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 maybe a handful of these guys that we're talking about so i think you, you just got to be patient uh candelario nowhere to play obviously on the south side but uh or on the north side i should say but yeah i mean he'll he'll be he'll be starting for a big league team i would say within the next uh 18 months a guy who will not be starting for a major league team anytime soon vladimir galdino 20 year old uh, as of opening day 155 on your overall list you say here he carries a ton of risk but He's the kind of player like like you in Staff Keeper League too. You know, coming off a compete year, you traded a bunch of prospects. The kind of lottery ticket late round guy that you, you want to throw a dart at, correct? Yeah, you won't even find Galindo ranked in in a lot of places, places that only release top tens, uh, just because he is so far away from the majors and so risky. Just because it's a he's a big kid, a lot of swing and miss, but. The power is, is the raw power is really enticing. I have a lot of faith in the Cubs player development staff to kind of get the most out of players like this. You know, I wonder how good Eloy Jimenez would be if he had come up in a different system. Uh, it, it's it's a guy that's just worth taking a flyer on in deeper leagues just because of that, that big raw power. Yeah, Galindo. I think I said Galdino uh, initially, but... Again, 96 prospects you wrote up for this piece, and you're going to be doing this division-by-division breakdown as we move closer to opening day. Can't get through all 96 guys on the podcast, but check out the article for yourself to get all the info. So we're going to be skipping around here a bit here shortly, but I want to go to number seven real quick, Jose Albertos, 18 years old. What is uh, This is not a player I know much about. What can you tell me about Albertos? He is... 
his his stock's really climbing uh, this off season. There's not a ton of I, I I think he's got less than like 15 innings or something like that uh, in pro ball, but he is generating a ton of buzz or did generate a ton of buzz in instructs. Has a mid 90s fastball as an 18 year old. Uh, has a a really really filthy changeup uh, that projects to be at least a plus pitch and he can he can spin a breaking ball so it's going to be a really long uh hold with him it's it's probably 4 years before he before he starts sniffing around the big leagues but uh another guy kind of like Galindo if you want to go the pitching route uh with a guy who actually is I mean he is getting ranked by by a lot of different outlets in in the Cubs top 10 uh this is a guy that that really sort of could blow up this year I mean he he he'll probably start at short season Eugene but could be in South Bend by the end of the year if he pitches well there then uh, his stock's really going to start to take off reminder too that we are going to be touching on these these divisions as we're talking about them on the podcast on the following Saturday on Sirius XM we're talking major leaguers and prospects so just a reminder definitely check us out on that day as well skipping down just one player here Eddie Martinez had a lot of hype this time last year, but when we saw him in South Bend, you know, especially compared to Elo Jimenez, just really looked like a a distant, you know, prospect behind Jimenez. Really didn't stand out at all. Uh, struggled when we saw him. And what did the numbers tell you with Martinez? You know, I I don't want to complete like if you were just looking at like age, uh, level production. And just kind of what he, you know, what I took away from seeing him in person, he wouldn't be in the top 200. He might not even be really in the top 250. But you got to factor in that was his first season stateside. Uh, you know, adjusting to the climate, uh, adjusting to uh, the, the this caliber of pitching. I want to give him another shot to kind of show that he can actually get to some of the, the power and speed a bit more at high A as a 22-year-old. If he doesn't do so there, then I think you you can start cutting bait in, in most formats, and, and you could almost kind of do that now. Unless unless your league roster is 200 prospects, it's it's pretty safe to to cut bait on Martinez right now. But, I mean, he still does have those those raw tools that could turn him into a decent fantasy option. So Martinez is the final Cubs prospect you have in your top 200, so we'll skip down and, and begin the, the real key content that the people are tuning in for and the people pay for, <laughs> the Reds prospects, baby. Here we go. Diving deep into this Reds system. you got 15 players here, 15 guys you should know, and uh, should be more, should be more, but let's focus on the positives here. Nick Senzel, 21-year-old, of course, their top choice in last year's draft. Really kind of, you have him 22nd overall on your list. Could be a guy that we're talking about in the top 10 this time next year. Yeah, he the, the consensus around the industry is definitely developed to the point that he is the clear guy at the top. If you're doing a dynasty league draft and you're, you know, you're drafting all those guys that you weren't able to add uh, in season or, or weren't, didn't have access to last year, Senzel's the tops in this rookie cl- in this rookie class and the international uh, free agent class. Uh, part of that, I mean, a big part of that to me really is the proximity and the the floor with him. You have guys like Mickey Moniak, Corey Ray, uh, 
Kyle Lewis, even even Ray and Lewis, who are also college hitters, Senzel a lot safer in my opinion. Uh, yeah, because he's at probably headed to high A, but he could rise very quickly. Yeah, and he he doesn't like like Ray could end up being platooned. He he might not be able to hit lefties. Kyle Lewis is hurt. Senzel really doesn't have a weakness. He's not going to offer the the Chris Bryant type of uh, power as as a number two college draft pick a number two overall college college hitter, but he's going to give you five category production at third base, which is, which is really pretty rare in this day and age uh, to get a guy that could steal you 15, 20 bases, at least in his early years. So that, that to me is kind of the, the thing to know about Senzel. You're not just getting an, a batting average and power guy here. You're getting a guy that could steal you uh, 15, 20 bases, at least in his, his first three or four years. Yeah. And great American ballpark is no course field. Don't get me wrong, but very favorable for hitters, and uh, this is a guy I want to own if I can in, in all dynasty formats. Jesse Winker, second in the system. You know, really, really underwhelmed in the in the power department last year. Uh, just five homers combined, but I think it's important to remember, and only three in 106 games at AAA, but I think it's important to remember that he had a wrist injury. Still, you know, that approach is, is what you're really buying here. I think that power should tick up considerably once he's healthy and gets to Great American Ballpark. Is now the time, you know, kind of post-hype with Winker t- to buy? Yeah, Winker's a guy that I've been talking up quite a bit this offseason just because the hype has died down to a point that I think he's getting undervalued. Uh, had had a commenter question why I had Winker so high. Like, this is a guy that's basically big league ready. They're, they're going to at least keep him down to get that extra year of control before bringing him up this year. But, I mean, he, he could be their second-best hitter behind Joey Votto, this summer like he yeah. he's that ready to hit and he pitching. should be up pretty early because scott shebler <laughs> ever the, heard of him <laughs> have you have you seen this have you heard about this he's <laughs> terrible i mean they gave him a chance last year he was awful i guess he finished okay but not a guy who's gonna represent an obstacle for winker no and the power that you touched on like this is just such a great opportunity like he he gave you a a really big opening as a buy like if you're looking to acquire him in a dynasty league by not hitting for much power at all he might be uh valued way too low by his his current owner and uh yeah i mean i i think the power is obviously not even close between him and gary sanchez but i i sort of see some similarities in terms of like this time last year we all knew sanchez was close to big league ready uh we you know he even had more of a kind of an obstacle than winker does in terms of playing time but everyone nobody was really that excited about him even as even as bad as catcher is like people weren't like grabbing sanchez and stashing him or anything like that because well you you were i I was (laughs) but the like the hype had died to the point with sanchez that he was way undervalued I, i sort of see similarity there with winker in terms of a guy that can help you win a league this year and just isn't being valued uh, appropriately. Taylor Trammell, third in the system. You have him ranked 90th overall in the top 400, likely headed to low A Dayton. Uh, big ups to the Dragons uh, to begin 2017. I had the pleasure of writing his outlook. Thanks for breaking me off some Reds outlooks to write it uh, for the magazine. And this is an impressive player because, you know, we see a lot of these guys who are, you know, the athletic two-sport guys in high school really, you know, have to work on approach and, uh, patience, play discipline. 
And he's really kind of advanced given his limited baseball experience. I love Relative. this. I love this guy. Like, uh, this is like you know from this draft class every every year. There's like three or four guys that I'm just a lot higher on than than most people. And Trammell is is one of those guys. Uh, got the 15th highest bonus in the draft. Like they they it was quite a haul by the Reds. A surprising haul uh, for them to really capitalize on that opportunity. Uh, to get a guy like Senzel and a guy like Trammell, who to me is a top 10 uh, just hitting talent in, in this draft class. He's more speed than power right now, a plus-plus runner, but one of those guys where you're going to see that, that pendulum kind of shift as he as his body continues to mature, where the power is going to eventually sort of catch up to the speed, and those two will hopefully meet in the middle uh, for a few years of the big leagues where he might be a, a 2020 guy. Uh just just love this kid i think you can you know we have him ranked 90th overall you can probably expect other your other owners unless they have a rotowire subscription to value him maybe 30 40 spots lower than that so i don't want you to get super over aggressive and and grab him um too early but uh, definitely someone that I would be looking to target. Like if you're if you're doing a dynasty league draft in the second round, if Trammell's there, like say pick 15, 16, 17, something like that, that's that's a great place to grab him. Number four in the system, Aristides Aquino, ninety six overall. Now this is a player who's going to turn twenty three in in April, uh, getting his first crack at Double A. So you know a little bit older uh, relative to level than a lot of guys you see this high in a system, but does he have the tools to become an impact player in Cincinnati? The power and speed are both pretty loud tools, 60-grade power, 50-grade speed. Uh, what he did last year, which I don't think a lot of people expected, was he, he hit, and he hit in the Florida State League, which is a tough place to hit. Uh, didn't strike out to the point where that's like an immediate concern, but – Look, like you said, he's he's turning twenty three in April. This is a prove it year, I think, where he has to he has to hit double A pitching in his first exposure, I think, to really solidify being a top one hundred prospect. Because like the the power and speed's there. It wouldn't surprise me though if he did get a little exposed against double A pitching. So that's why he's only at ninety six. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if if he if he comes out this year and continues to rake, then he's gonna gonna shoot up lists. Shedrick Long's a guy who, you know, we, we talk a lot about you, you probably don't want to draft second-base prospects uh, just because, you know, they really have to hit in order to, to reach the big leagues and, and pay off as a fantasy stash. But is he going to be able to, to kind of buck the trend and, and maybe pay off as a as a second-base prospect? Well, second-base prospects are kind of my kryptonite. Like, I I have I have most of them ranked a little, little higher than <laughs> – then maybe is is wise, but uh, yeah, you're you're right though. I mean, they're they're at they're, at, they're already off shortstop. They're mm-hmm. already you know down the defensive spectrum, so that that's kind of a red flag. Uh, they really have to hit to to make it there. I mean, like you're you're not gonna deploy like an all glove second baseman. Uh, Shedrick Long, a converted catcher, uh, finally got a chance to I think moving out from behind the plate to second base. Uh, and and he was, I think he was banged up a little bit in in 2015. But last year, full season second base, really got to show off that power speed combination. 
some swing and miss. The hit tool is is a little, you know, it's it's kind of like with Aquino. You just don't know how he's going to do against more advanced pitching, but enough power and speed there to definitely invest in, in leagues that roster 160, 170 prospects. Yeah, I mean, we got Brandon Phillips just clogging up the second base spot and Peraza and Wilmer Defoe kind of waiting for their opportunity, but Long could be a guy who gets an opportunity next year. Because uh, I, I think Phillips, yeah, he's probably going to be gone. Well, Shed Long, like, yeah, I mean, I think I think Dilson Herrera and and Jose Peraza. Or, I'm sorry, yeah, Herrera. Probably, like, I, I'm not expecting Shed Long to reach the big leagues till like, 2019, uh, mm-hmm. just because, like I said, he, he, he's new to second base. The hit tool is, is a little behind the rest of his tools, so he's not the type of guy you expect to really shoot through uh, the ranks. But and, and with guys like Herrera and Peraza, like, you don't want to start his service clock uh, until you're sure that you don't want want to give either of those guys the job long term. So just a guy to hold on to just because of the power and the speed. Luis Castillo, of course, the centerpiece in the Dan Straley return, coming in at sixth in the system. You have him ahead of Amir Garrett. And with, with Castillo, I mean, the secondaries have to come along, but that fastball, which you give an 80 grade, really gives him a nice floor. Yeah, it's just – it's. A much better pitch than any of Garrett's pitches. Uh, he's he's old, like twenty four, headed into Double A. Like that is definitely old for a pitcher. But this is a guy that recently got converted from the bullpen to the rotation. So I give him like a little bit of a break there in terms of the age thing because he is kind of getting stretched out, uh, learning how to sequence a bit better. Uh, needs one of his secondary pitches to jump in order for him to be a starter. So that that's that's why he's ranked 183rd with that fastball. Uh, the command needs to be a bit better too, but it's it's better command than you might think, given a guy that, that was in the bullpen and, and throws that hard. So just really kind of hoping this year that we see him uh, develop uh, the changeup in the breaking ball a bit more. And you should be able to kind of tell just looking at the numbers. If he's missing more bats this year, then that's a pretty good sign. We don't have to subject subject our listeners to talk on every prospect in the Reds, but we can just jump around here a little bit. TJ Friedel, uh Friedel, I don't know exactly Friedel. Friedel. Uh interesting player, you know, went undrafted, which is really rare to see. He got a I think the largest signing bonus ever for an undrafted player, but I really think you kinda have to see what he does with a full season affiliate before seriously Thinking about investing. Any other prospects here in the red system you want to mention? Well, I I just want to touch on Amir Garrett really quick, just because I know this is going to be low uh, relative to to where you're, you're going to see him ranked most other places. Uh, I just think you know you can continue to bet on him either developing a, a you know better secondary pitch or uh, better command, but you need to know that that's that's what you're betting on. You, you're not betting on a finished product here because right now he looks like a number four starter at best to me and maybe just better as a, as a power lefty out of the bullpen. Like it's, it's not impossible that he, uh, that he kind of improves the, the arsenal to the point that he's, he's number three because he does throw hard enough. He is, he's coming from the left side. He's, he's pretty athletic, but you know the the whole basketball. You know, used to be used to play basketball, so he's he's kind of a little bit further behind the developmental curve than than most guys. Like that whole argument, like it holds a lot more water to me when the guys down at like high A 
uh, and still kind of getting his his feet wet. But the the strikeout rate shouldn't be heading the wrong direction as he gets further and further away from playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Like you you want to be seeing those gains. Kind of reminds me of a guy like Braden Shipley, where you know converted shortstop. So I used to give him like the benefit of the doubt, like oh well you know he'll come around. Like you know don't don't just judge him by the numbers. Like uh, sometimes you just you got to see results and you got to see a guy miss a bit more bats. To, to really profile as more than a back-end guy. Yeah, and I think the red signing of Scott Feldman <laughs> maybe speaks to the team not really thinking he's ready. But we'll move on to the Brewers system. Great system here, one of the, the best in baseball. Uh, Lewis Brinson, I, I've been seeing, getting quite a bit of single-season love right now. I mean, the ADP, yeah, ADP at 433, right around, you know, Mitch Hanniger, uh, Hyun Soo Kim, but he's ta- been taken as high as 343. You just mentioned you think he's getting too much single-season love. Uh, I think he'll probably do well at AAA Colorado Springs. I mean, it's a launching pad there, but Brewers really have no reason to to bring him up in a hurry. No, this is a – people – it's really, really confusing, to be honest, like how much love he's getting in single-season leagues versus some other prospects – who are clearly more refined, who clearly have a, a more obvious avenue to playing time. Like Winker. Jesse Winker, who we just yeah. talked about. Winker is basically ready to face big league pitching. He's going ADP 617. And he has no one in front of him. Brinson is not ready to face big league pitching. He's just not. Like, he, he doesn't walk at all. And he's a big kid, big athletic kid. Like, he's he's going to strike out a ton. Like, if he, if he went to the big leagues in – April or May or June, like I would expect to see a K rate north of like 35%. Like he's Ooh. just not ready. And the, the numbers at Colorado Springs are going to cloud a lot of people's judgment on this. You should just throw those out. His BABIP was way over 400. Uh, the, I mean, it's just, just forget what he did at Colorado Springs. Look at what he did at double a before he got to Colorado Springs. Look at the fact that he's 22 years old. The Brewers have Keon Broxton ahead of him. There's just no reason to expect him to be up until like July or August. Corey Ray, 28th overall, second in the system, likely headed to High A Carolina to begin the 2017 season, going to be a 22-year-old. Now, there's a very little difference between your overall ranks between Corey Ray and Nick Senzel. Uh, You say here that Ray is the second-best dynasty league prospect from the 2016 draft class. How do those two players compare? Well, Ray... Ray's the guy that has uh, a bit more like long-term five tool or five category potential. Whereas Senzel, like we said, he's going to run a bit, but you know, eventually when he gets 26, 27, you can expect the, the steals to, to take a turn down. Whereas Ray's a plus runner probably will be giving you double digit steals into his thirties. Uh, the big question is, is he going to hit lefties? The brewers have enough internal, outfield depth where they don't necessarily need to force it if it just doesn't look like it's going to happen and he's 23 24 years old and say they have uh, another guy who profiles as someone that could mash lefties like they don't really need to force it with ray so that's that's the number one concern is that he could end up in the strong side of a platoon but uh you know i i i do think i i thought kind of going into the draft that he was 
him and him and Senzel were just right neck and neck to me going into the draft. Now I have Senzel a bit ahead, but uh, still a, a, a decent consolation prize if you mix, miss out on Senzel. Isan Diaz, the third of six Brewers prospects you have in your overall top 85. Uh, you have Diaz, 33rd overall, and I kind of fell for him when we were in South Bend, and he, I think he was only batting like 200 at the time, but he smacked an opposite field homer. Uh, really impressive power uh, from a player uh, his size and, and frame. Probably going to head off a, a shortstop, you think, but the bat's good enough to where at second base he could be a, a top 10 type of option at the major league level. Yeah, I think his power and his hit tool get – I don't think they get enough credit, especially the power. Like People just look at his size, look at the fact that he's a middle infielder, and just are – are scared to throw a plus grade on his power. And I think that's a mistake. It's, it's all fields power. Yeah. That bat is so quick. Yeah. As a 20 year old and in a tough league to hit in, uh, this, this is a guy that I think his stock only goes up from here. I, I think he's gonna, you know, last year he, he, like you said, he struggled early in the season. That was his first taste of a full season league. First taste of that kind of weather. Uh, I think this year you're going to see him hit the ground running. I mean, this is a this is a great hitter. Yeah, I mean, we saw him in what? What was that? Probably May, late May or something. Yeah, early yeah, June. Something like, definitely May. The fact that he finished with a 264 average and a 353 on base speaks to the adjustments he made and the success he had uh, down the stretch. Josh Hader is another guy who I think a lot of people have eyes on in, in single season leagues. You have him 54 overall. Really did well at Double A, but endured some growing pains at Colorado Springs, as is to be expected, but do you think maybe Hayter, like Brinson, for single-season leagues is a little overhyped? I do. I think he was so underrated by most of the industry this time last year that it's kind of gone the other way, and people are sort of scrambling to adjust their evaluation so that it lines up with consensus, and now I think people are just sort of pegging him in as like a a no no shit number two starter and I think that that's definitely possible from the left side he's a he's a monster he he can make hitters look completely helpless at times uh, I actually thought what he did last year given the the fact that half of his starts to close out the year were at triple a Colorado Springs was was actually fairly impressive for a guy getting his first taste of triple a as a 22 year old but uh he's still the changeup hasn't taken a huge step forward it's still far and away is his third best pitch like it's 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 got to continue to improve uh command needs to continue to improve it's still not an ideal pitcher's frame so i mean you got to factor all these things in I, I have him ranked 54 and i think some people think that that's too low like i have him ranked as the eighth best pitching prospect in baseball i think that's that's pretty fair i, I don't yeah. i mean he, he's he's not a guy without his flaws he's not a guy without his ri- without some risks so uh, I don't mind taking a stab at him late in like a draft champions type of format or or really really deep league with with deep benches, but uh, he's another guy I think is going a little bit too high. Yeah, we haven't. It's just facts, but we haven't seen a lot of guys, you know, aside from you know Cindergaard, some other rare cases that have really come in and been dominant from the get go at the major like, level in recent years. Think, of, know who he he kind of reminds me. Uh, a little bit of is is Sean Manaya in the sense that he 
you know, Mania had the durability concerns, uh, lefty, nasty lefty. I mean, Mania wasn't that valuable last year. I mean, people love no. him this year, but like if you finished well, but had yeah. some initial struggles for sure. Yeah, like if you if you were all jacked to get Sean Mania on Fab last year, hmm. it probably wasn't worth it for you. Uh, you think you just kind of have to expect these types of pitchers uh to to struggle a, at least a little bit at first like yeah. there there might be a bright future down the road but I, I wouldn't expect him to to be a huge part of you winning a league this year yeah and you know different type of arm but jose barrios just kind of highlights the the downside mm-hmm. and i thought scott, scott jenstead made a good point in his article for the magazine on just nfbc strategy that you just just not really a point in gambling on these these arms and in, in like, single season drafts. Like Blake Snell's a way better he he was a way better pitching prospect last year than Hader is this year, and Blake Snell was useful, especially in deeper leagues. But even he, like this start by year, start, was this inconsistent. Is, yeah, this is the year that I think is the time to grab a guy like Snell. Like next year will be the year to grab Josh Hader because the value, the price tag will come down a little bit relative to how many innings you expect out of him because he'll struggle a little bit. Trent Clark is a guy you say to target this year coming off an injury where he missed uh, a season where he missed a significant portion of time due to injury. Standout tools, you know, maybe not really what what you want if you're, you know, using a first couple round pick in a reserve draft to, to pick up prospects, but you think Clark uh, should have some, some success at the major league level. Once he reaches that, which may not be for a couple of years, yeah, I I just think if you if his owner, I mean he he's he's owned obviously in in most serious dynasty leagues right now. If his owner looks at that batting average last year and is at all concerned, then it's a great opportunity to to get in there and buy. Kind of like with Jesse Winker's power, like Trent Clark is one of the best pure hitters from that class. Uh, the the power and speed might be kind of you know, you might have a 15, 18 homer year, uh, maybe gets to 20. You might have like a 15, 20 steal year. Probably won't be the same year uh, where, he, where he does those two things, but I, I think he could hit enough to, to still hit in the, the top half of an order. Lucas Ursig was the guy the Brewers got with the 46th overall pick in, in June's draft. You, you say here, though, that if the draft was redone, he may go significantly higher. Yeah, because he was a guy that the Brewers. I mean, this was a great scouting find. He was a N A N I N A I A guy, uh, like you know the, those types of hitters that aren't aren't facing anywhere close to the type of uh, competition that the the typical college hitter faces. It's really hard to kind of peg where you, where you should take a guy like that. The Brewers took a gamble. They they believed in the power. They believed that this guy was going to be able to hit. Uh, premium pitching and it, it so far it looks like it really paid off uh, you know just your, your typical sort of third you know, third base 270 280 type of hitter that, that could get you 25 plus homers in his prime years. Skipping down a bit to a guy who's probably owned in a lot of dynasty and keeper formats Jacob Nottingham I was in on him last year just be given you know the bat and the fact that catcher both at the major league level and in the minors such a thin position, but Nottingham is not even a guy that we can really profile or, or evaluate as a catching prospect right now. Is that correct? I He needs to be appraised as a first baseman long-term, uh, but like there's enough. The Brewers are pumping out enough uh, 
propaganda about how they still view him as a catcher that you might still be able to trade him to someone who thinks that he's got a chance to stick behind the plate. <laughs> so I would definitely explore that right now. Like if, if you can get someone to treat him like a top 200, top 175 even prospect, uh, that's a great time to, to cut your losses there. I, I think the power is obviously there. Like it's it's huge raw power. He could he could profile at first base for sure as long as he makes enough contact. But it's going to be a couple of years before that's a realistic outcome. Yeah, and Brett Phillips is is he worth holding on to? Because I had him in in the league. Ended up just dropping him outright to to make room for another prospect I acquired via trade. Was that the right call? Absolutely. I, I mean, it depends who the other prospect was, I guess, but uh, he just he can't catch up to premium velocity. He has started selling out for power ever since the Astros traded him to the Brewers. The The power output's gone up a little bit, but the, the swing and miss in his game just was not there before that trade at all, and, and it's been there ever since. Hasn't made the necessary adjustments. I think... The def- he's such a good defender in right field that you can't really give up on him becoming like the strong side of a platoon type of guy. But uh, it's going to be a, a defense over offense profile uh, regardless of how many strides he makes. Any other Brewers prospects you want to mention before we move on? Uh, no, let's, let's, let's move All on. All right, Pirates, Austin Meadows, class of the system, ninth overall on your top 400. We've seen the Pirates – you know, slow play a lot of these prospects and keep guys down like Josh Bell last year when they, they appear ready. seemed like they were trying to make room for Meadows this offseason, but did not end up trading Andrew McCutcheon. Will Meadows force his way up, or, you know, if, if everything's – if all the starters stay healthy, do you think he spends most of the year in the minors? I just can't even envision the scenario where he gets the call without an injury. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, not a long-term injury? Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean – well, actually, no, I – I think he would get the call with a short-term injury because yeah. I, I think that they think he's he's really close to being able to handle big league pitching, even if it's only for like two weeks. Uh, not on the 40-man yet. Not yeah. that that makes a huge difference. Yeah, I know. I, I think if if they think he's ready, uh, because he he's still going to be a, a – he's still not going to qualify as a Super 2 guy if it's like a short-term injury. They can bring him up, uh, send him back down. Mm-hmm. uh he is that much better than their next best option. I think if, if like there's a short term injury in, in June or July, especially I think you might see him, but he's not a guy like you could stash him and just really roll the dice that like say Marte or like one of those guys missed a ton of time at the end of last year. Right. Like, uh, you know, it's definitely possible that one of those three starting outfielders, misses two or three months with an injury and if that happens then whoever drafts him and holds him in like a deep nfbc type of type of league is really going to be happy but uh yeah they just they just weren't able to find uh the package that made sense for mccutcheon i suggested that they make meadows available and target a guy like chris archer just because like the mark it's just the worst market ever for veteran outfielders that are that are expensive and and past their prime you're just not going to get anywhere close to to value for them so why not trade the the young guy for a really impactful starting pitcher who you desperately need in your rotation i thought that made some sense uh, obviously it would probably take more than meadows and that's maybe where they got a little uncomfortable with the the asking price but yeah he's 
really good hitter, but there's just there's nowhere for him to play in the immediate future. Josh Bell, second in the system. Recently saw somebody on Twitter burying Josh Bell, calling him James Loney 2.0. Now, the power isn't really what you'd love to see from a first baseman. That's a Se- bad take. <laughs> 17 <laughs> combined between AAA and the majors last year, three homers only in 45 games with, with Pittsburgh. Our current projections, 281 and 10 homers in 554 plate appearances for 2017. Is Bell going to be able to overcome the the modest pop to to be a useful fantasy option at first base? I think he is more than modest pop. Like mm-hmm. I think you look at the minor league numbers and you just kind of jump to conclusions. But this is a guy who, you know, not everyone develops at, at the same pace. Uh, one of the major reasons the James Loney comp falls super flat is that Bell is a well below average defender at first base. James Loney was like a gold glove caliber defender at first base for a while. Uh, so that's why Loney was kept in the lineup, whereas Bell's glove actually could cost him at bats. That, that's my main concern mm-hmm. this season. That and the fact that they seem intent on platooning him with David Freese, which obviously sucks. But uh, the defense, like if I thought Bell was going to, play good enough defense and be given a chance to hit lefties um, for the foreseeable future. He might be five, six, seven spots higher on my overall rankings, but it's just, it's a slight concern that those two factors are going to limit his playing time. The power is, is not my number one concern. It's the, will he get to face lefties? Will his defense cost him playing time? I think over a full season, if he, if he were to get a full season's worth of at bats, he could be a 25-homer guy in his peak seasons. Tyler Glass now third in the system, 37th overall in your top 400. I had somebody on Twitter ask me recently about my thoughts for Glass now, thoughts on Glass now, and I said, you know, I just I'm out on him for this coming season, just because I think he still has some way to go with the changeup, the control. I just don't see him putting it all together yet. Uh, do you differ from me on that? Do you think he's a reasonable late endgame target? No, I'm I'm with you. I think there's just other guys that are kind of going that late on the pitching side that I'm much more confident in for for innings and production this year. Glass now, you know, obviously six seven, just twenty three. Uh, so it's not it's not like he's running out of time to prove that he can make it in the rotation. Like this could just be just a straight up developmental year where he spends half the year AAA, half the year in the big leagues. Maybe goes back and forth a little bit, uh, and then the following season is where he kind of starts to to legitimately pitch like a mid rotation starter on a consistent basis. I just don't see there being a con- a consistent value consistent value from him this season. The initial question I got on Glass now was kind of just general: Is he going to make it as a starter? And I don't know if we can. Uh, it's going to be a while before we figure out the question of that. But you say Mitch Keller, number four in the system is a safer bet to, to stick in a starting role long-term. Yeah, because he, he throws more strikes. Uh, he's he's just he's a, he's a really safe bet to be a mid-rotation starter, I think. Uh, probably can't match Glasnow's upside, but it, that I don't want to undersell Keller's upside either. He's got a big fastball, some, some quality secondary pitches, uh, he, his numbers last year were just crazy in the lower levels. And 
you know, he might, some people because of that, might, he might be valued even a bit higher than I have him at, at 63 overall right now. So, uh, just, you know, another, another nice arm. He, he could actually move pretty quickly this year. Wouldn't surprise at all if he was getting a taste, you know, in the middle of next season, just because of how advanced he is. We're going on 50 minutes here on the pod. Got to get to this final team, the Cardinals, but anybody else you want to mention? from the, yeah, the Pirates. I'll, I'll just throw out Kevin Newman just because uh, our buddy Vlad Sedler hit me up today and he was in the middle of a, a NFBC draft champions, you know, where you get your 50, 50 roster spots. And he was like, you know, I'm in the forties. Like who's a shortstop that I could take a flyer on that might be up this year and, and getting regular at bats. And, you know, guys like Willie Adamas, Franklin Barreto, Med Rosario were all off the board. Uh, Kevin Newman's a name that I threw out to him, and, and he, he liked that. And, you know, I trust Vlad's taking an NFBC draft champions type of format. Uh, this is the Pirates shortstop of the future. So, like, if he's ready and he's past the Super 2 cutoff, I could see them actually giving him uh, close to every day at bats, you know, in, in July and August and September. And he's he's got one of the better hit tools in the minor leagues. Not sure how much – power is going to come with that but there's a little bit of speed there it's a really good approach so he could hit kind of high in the order uh just a kind of a name to file away in, in super deep single season leagues if you're looking for a guy that doesn't have quite as much hype as some of those other names top prospect in the cardinal system far and away alex reyes and you know i was listening to the fsta experts draft on the replay on sirius xm and i think reyes went in the early i think it was the first pick of the 11th round this is a 13-team league, and Jim Bowden, former GM, just raved about him, and he said something that really kind of echoed your sentiment, those, you know, well, is he going to have a rotation spot early on? And Bowden just said, look, him and Carlos Martinez are easily the top two pitchers in that, on that team. There's a big drop-off after that. So, you know, maybe he's capped at 150, 60 innings, but those, most of those should come at the major league level. Yeah, I just – the the notion that Reyes won't be in the big league rotation this year to me is just insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, we even have I I know uh, John Bozalak said at the end of last year like something to the effect of it's going to be pretty hard for us to not slot him into that rotation come April and uh, you know I think in that draft he went ahead of he might have gone ahead of Julio Urias which to me is tough i mean i i don't know it that's a tough call between those two uh i think he went after like granky and felix and he shouldn't have gone after felix matt harvey yeah i would take, him, take him over all those guys I'd, I'd probably take granky over him but uh but the i mean the strikeouts you're looking at easily over over one per inning like you know i, I said look for him to throw 150 160 innings if he gets to 160 innings, I'll put the over under at 175 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. And because it's not just the fastball, the, the changeup and the curve, the curve. They, I mean, yeah, they're insane. They play so well off the fastball yeah. too. Like if you, it's just so when a guy throws that hard and can throw it for strikes, it just puts you at such a disadvantage as a hitter with those secondary pitches. So, uh, really love this kid. You know, I'm I'm doing a. Uh, sort of industry prospect draft right now, like as if we were drafting um, a dynasty league team from scratch and we're, we're drafting our minor leaguers. He ended up going, I want to say like sixth or seventh because there's, there's still sort of that stigma of like, 
oh, you can't take a pitcher like that early. I mean, you got to take hitters and stuff like that. Uh, I agree with that sentiment, except when it's just a really special guy like this. Like Reyes is that type of special pitcher like Noah Syndergaard was a couple years ago where you know this is a this is a guy that you can definitely build around and obviously there's injury risk with all pitchers but barring injury this is this is a guy that is is a pretty sure thing Delvin Perez second in the system 82 overall was in the conversation to go number one overall in, in last year's draft but failed a PED test sunk him to later in the first round but still a lot to like here uh, offensively on a player who's probably going to stick at, at shorter, at least is a pretty safe bet too. Yeah, he's. I think he's a good bet to stick at short. I think that the Cardinals got awfully lucky. Like we we always talk about how all the teams, well, especially now that your Reds are. I mean, you got Dick Williams. I mean, calling the shots now. Now we got thirty smart teams. Uh, <laughs> That that well, that didn't seem to be the case on draft day when when yeah. Delvin Perez was falling because of those PED uh, concerns. Like I just I don't hold that really up against a, a player. It just it's just so hard to quantify any of that type of stuff. I mean you got to you got to look at the the physicality. Uh, look at you know where where is he going to be playing in five years? I think it's at shortstop. It's a, he's going to be. Six three, he's probably going to fill out to two hundred pounds or so, and at that point, I, I think he grows into what could be plus raw power. So, you know, I think in that draft, he was the only clear shortstop that had a first round grade. With that kind of projection, he should have got a lot higher. Man, Yuri Sierra's paying off as a stash for me. It was very close to throwing him back last year, but he really kind of, you know, the, the raw tools started to translate to success on the field last season. A repeat of low A and really responded well to, you know, he was demoted the the prior year back to rookie ball, really responded well, uh, really appealing tools, but what's he going to have to do to to improve and and reach the majors? You know, not not a ton. I I love everything he did last year. It would be nice, I guess, if he walked a little bit more so that he could really profile as a leadoff guy. But this is a guy that I – even though he's coming off a good year, I still think you can buy a little bit low here because he hasn't started to hit for the, for the power. I think he's going to hit. I mean, I think as he continues to uh, mature physically, it's going to be 10 to 15 Homer pop. And, and with that speed, uh, with that hit tool, I think that that's going to be an awfully enticing player. Before we wrap things up, I want to ask you about a player here further down on the list who, you say here is, quote, extremely overhyped in certain circles. Catcher Carson Kelly, uh, what are others seeing that maybe cloud their judgment on Carson Kelly? Well, he he was ranked by MLB Pipeline as the number one catching prospect in baseball recently. Mm-hmm. And I don't agree with that ranking, but I understand it if if you his it's the glove really that that carries him uh, for a big portion of of that ranking i mean he's a he's a really good defender uh there a lot of the better catching prospects in baseball right now are bat first guys whose defensive uh, capabilities are a little bit in question whereas kelly is sort of the opposite except that i think last year he sort of proved to people or at least some people that he's going to be able to hit uh, a decent amount, at least in terms of average, and I think I buy that. 
Uh, it's just that he's kind of big league ready, and he's behind Yadier Molina, and I don't see much power there. So, yeah, I think he's he's a good guy to have in, in deeper leagues, especially like a two-catcher league. Good guy to have, but, you know, I've, I've been talking with people who – think he's like a clear top two fantasy catching prospect i don't i don't see that i mean chance cisco i think is gonna catch he's got a better hit tool uh it's gonna a similar power um you know jorge alfaro i'd even i'd even rather roll the dice on on a guy like that uh you know obviously francisco mejia i think i'd, I'd rather have even though his, his defense isn't isn't perfect just just more options at that position that you'd prefer, I think, from a dynasty league perspective than Kelly. Anybody else you want to mention before we sign off today? Uh, you know, Sandy Alcantara, who's the fourth prospect in their system, 101 overall, is is a really nice upside play, especially in, like, shallower leagues where he might not be owned right now. Uh, huge fastball. Kind of reminds me, actually, of, of Alex Reyes a couple years ago where it's a lot of – it's just projectability. You, you look at the fastball – you look at the changeup. If he can develop a, a consistent breaking ball and throw throw a few more strikes, then then this is a guy that could be a front line arm. So if you just kind of want to uh, throw a dart in in shallower formats, he's a great pitcher to target. He's obviously owned, I think, in most uh, serious deeper dynasty leagues. But uh, after after race, he's the easy uh, second best pitching prospect in that system. Well, James, we appreciate the insight as always. Again, rotowire.com slash pod for a free ten day trial. Check out James's write-up on all 96 prospects you need to know in the NL Central. We'll be back next week. What division is next week? Do you know? NL West. NL West. Nice. Again, thank you to New Day for the song Lion Kings, our intro song, N-E-U-D-A-E. See you guys next week. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.